0: There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot.
1: Rogues of the Black Fury: a novel written and produced by Travis Hearman. This novel contains violence, adult language, and mature situations. Listener discretion is advised. For more information, please visit travisheerman.com/rogues. CHAPTER Four, "'Your Excellency,' said Frankel, Janice's personal steward, "'the Lord Major General is here to see you.' Frankel stood just outside the glass doors that led out into the gardens of Tarnak Castle. He looked like a well-stuffed goose, with a long neck, narrow sloping shoulders, legs like a chicken, and a protruding belly. Sparse wisps of hair meticulously oiled on a high-domed forehead served only to reinforce his austere but unlikely appearance." Janus sat near the doors, on one of the many stone benches scattered about the garden. To his left was the mouth of the wisteria tunnel that encircled the garden's perimeter. How Bella had loved this garden, especially the wisteria tunnel, formed of ancient twining vines into a cool secluded passageway that led to many hidden nooks and alcoves. Now, in the height of spring, cascades of soft purple flowers dripped from the roof and sides of the tunnel, and their sweet fragrance was inescapable. For a moment, it made him think of Lilla. Tarnak Castle occupied the summit of the highest point in the city of Norgard. The rest of the city crowded below in the lowlands that sloped toward the sea and followed the river inland. The morning sun hung above the peaks of the Norda Mountains to the east and shone across the garden toward Janus' seat. The white summit of Perrin's Peak gleamed like a spire of ice in the distance. The scent of wisteria mingled with the cool, moist air blowing off the sea. His vantage point overlooked the garden's boundaries as the outer edges sloped down and away from the castle itself, allowing him a beautiful, unobstructed view of Norgard Harbor. The calm waters were a deep cerulean blue, fringed with white foam. Janus was not a religious man, but he found himself musing about how advances in science and alchemy can shake the very foundations of religious faith. How many times as a child, even as a young man, had he offered prayers and supplication to the sun god, Helion, and to the moon mother, Inanan. Not because of what he believed, but because that was simply how things were done. He had never felt the pull that drove men to religious zeal. The one true church called it Helion's rays, the warmth of the sun's face shining down upon the faithful and driving them to forget all else in moments of religious passion. The farthy priest kings called it Sahmit, Janus called it zealotry. It was one of the few things in the world that he feared, because neither battle nor diplomacy could defeat it. The only way to defeat fanatics who were not afraid to die was simply to kill them all, and that was a brutal, exhausting business. Even some Cuscans bore the same fanatical streak that made the Farthy so dangerous. A hundred years ago, Helion had been the center of the universe, shining his gleaming face upon the world, giving life and succor to all his creatures. But now... Some said that the life-giving sun was not the creator, merely a face of the creator. The common people still worshipped at the altars of the one true church, but Janus had seen in his lifetime a growing skepticism toward its teachings, especially among scholars and educated nobles. He thought about all the old stories of the sons of the gods, Chib and Cham, their follies and adventures, and of Heck, the jealous and spiteful sister of Helion, said to live deep within the bowels of the earth. Were men truly the chosen of the gods, blessed because men were the only warm-blooded creatures on the land that possessed intellect, and bore their young without pouches? Were men truly touched by the gods, or were they simply a natural curiosity? Strange tree-dwelling creatures were said to inhabit the jungles of northern Fartha, said to bear their young without pouches, but he had never seen one. Would it not be better for children to live for a time in their mother's pouches, like box, or calads, and emerge better able to manage in the world? Thirty years before, Dame Vimina Yarwood had proven, with telescopes and mathematics beyond Janice's ken that neither the Sun nor the Earth was the center of the universe. Her work had been so detailed, so comprehensive, and irrefutable, that the most hidebound scholars at the university could not dispute her. And her assertions had shaken the pillars of not only the one true church, but the heathen-farthy religion as well. And worse, reignited their fanaticism, and brought them once again howling with bloodlust into Cuscan lands to cleanse this blasphemy from the face of the world. How many countless generations of Cuscans had believed in the reality of the Moon Mother? Now modern scholars had proven that the Moon circled the Earth, Did Inanen truly dwell on that faraway disk, trapped there in her ice palace by ravenous moon devils intent upon feeding upon her divine flesh? Janus sensed Frankel's boundless patience simmering behind him. His gaze swept around the expansive garden, the meticulously manicured paths and bushes, the sprays of flowers of every hue, specially brought from all over Ostala. Bella could name them all. How many times had he listened to her prattle on about flowers? Today he liked the Wisteria Tunnel very much, and wished he could hear her prattling. He could almost hear her laughter, as if even now she played among the flowers in secret places. Javin had been too old to play like Bella when Janice had claimed Tarnak Castle, the seat of the Grand General's power. Perhaps, when no one was looking, Javin had actually succumbed to her hounding and played hide-and-seek with her. That was the kind of girl she was. The kind of girl she still was. Janice shook his head to drive away the dark thoughts. He straightened his shoulders and drew a deep breath. See him in, Frankel. Frankel snapped a quick bow and departed. Moments later, Terrell strode into the garden and snapped a quick salute. Janice stood and returned the gesture. What do you have? Lord Harstorm has sent word that he thoroughly questioned his farthy servants about the strange knife, and and he reports that they would not answer any questions to his satisfaction. He will continue his questioning, but he says they are terrified. He believes they are hiding something. Send for them, and send Lord Harstorm enough gold to assuage his feelings about losing his slaves. I want them brought to the blood tower. I will know what they know, or I will show them the meaning of true terror. Bella's precious face flashed in his mind, but with gouts of blood spurting from her nose and mouth, then writhing on the carpet under a leering, slavering, farthy chieftain. He shook away the images. Have them taken to the underground, and call upon Rivas. Terrell's eyes widened for a moment. Your Excellency, they're women you think Rivas has never plied his trade on a woman before? "'Are you naive, Terrell?' "'But that was war!' "'Janice cut him off like a severed hand. "'And this is not. "'I would raise a hundred farthy villages to save Bella's life. "'If torturing four farthy slaves will help find Bella "'and prevent another outright war, I'll stoke the coals myself.' "'Terrell swallowed hard. "'Of course, Janice, you're right.' Is there something else? Terrell straightened, his frown softening, grateful to change the subject. Yes, there is. A ship sailed during the night at ebb tide. Ebb tide? They must have been in a hurry. Yes, they departed under oars. A galley? A free captain's galley called Gullwing. The captain is a man named Jum O'Dinth. Sounds like a Duthan name. It does. Duthans have their own problem with the Farthy, but we are investigating the docks and warehouses to see if anyone saw them take cargo on board last night. Janice harumphed. Cargo. It is unlikely her captors risked anyone seeing her. I suspect they would have concealed her, perhaps in a crate or a barrel. Janice nodded. This was too well planned. Of course, continue your investigation. I trust you to handle it well. Terrell snapped to attention again. Of course, Your Excellency. The gesture somehow made Janice weary. In a few hours, Bella would have been gone for a full day. If she were on that ship, she would be well out to sea by now. His instincts told him that she was indeed on that ship. His blood fired with the thrill of the chase and lust for vengeance. If his daughter was on that ship... He would have every sailor on it clapped in irons and digging in the mines for the rest of his days. And the captain's days would be numbered only by his tolerance for excruciation. For a moment he thought about Rusk and his black furies. Set to charge across the world like a pack of dark vicious beasts, a force of nature. In that moment Janus envied Rusk his freedom from the confines of government and tradition and politics and decorum. The freedom to do what must be done to fight, to lead men who are closer than your brothers. He found himself missing the closeness of the men he had led as a young officer, before his leadership ability and prowess in battle had lofted him to the heights of power. The kind of closeness that only comes from slogging together, fighting together, killing together, dying together. It had been too many years since he felt that. Of course, most of those men were dead now, and their faces lived only in Janus' memory. Many officers and nobles simply did not understand how to mold a band of ruffians, volunteers, and brawlers into warriors, soldiers, brothers. But Rusk understood. He had done it with the first Black Fury Legion, when no one believed he could. That had been succeed or die, and Rusk had done it. It was a shame they had all been lost, but the first Black Fury Legion had done their duty, and they had proven Rusk's abilities as a leader. A shaper of men, not to mention saving him from that prison cell. Most of the continent of Ostala, Cuskin, Farthy, and free cities alike knew Rusk's name. During the war, the Farthy had placed a bounty on his head of 2,000 zo, roughly equivalent to 3,000 suns. Rusk had laughed that it was far too low. Janus imagined the things that the Black Furies would do to Bella's kidnappers, whoever they were. That made him feel better. Javin wondered why his father was in the garden. He rarely spent any time there since Mother died. In fact, he rarely spent time anywhere but in his office. There was so much for the Grand General to do, after all. Javin's innards were a swirling black mass. The Blue Dragons had obeyed his orders to search the theater again for any evidence of how the kidnappers had escaped, but he saw in their faces that they felt as ineffectual as Javin did. They were shocked at the betrayal. Rolf and Gustin were indeed the culprits, and they both had been Blue Dragons for over three years. Unlike Javin, they had all trained together, quartered together. They had seen little action as a unit because their role as bodyguards kept them out of the front lines, but they were picked for their loyalty and their intelligence, as well as their fighting ability, and most of them had seen heavy fighting in other units. Some of them were hardened veterans, even though they were only commoners. "'Javin felt ill-suited to command them. "'The looks they gave him as they departed earlier "'had turned his insides into a tight, churning mass. "'He stepped outside onto the bright green sward, "'felt the cool breeze on his face, "'and smelled the flowery perfume of the wisteria blossoms, "'so familiar, so like Bella. "'His father stood near the bank of the lily pond, "'hands clasped behind his back, looking out toward the sea. "'His shoulders were set hard and tense, feet braced apart.' A firm, regal figure, like a granite statue. Javin said, "'Father, the Blue Dragons have been dispatched to continue the search.' "'Very good.' His father turned to face him, and Javin glimpsed something in his eyes that tightened his belly even more. He had seen that look in the eyes of officers just about to send men to their deaths. "'Have you received any more information?' "'I have sent for the far the ambassador.' perhaps he will be willing to share any information he has. Javin snorted and swallowed the sour blob of spittle that had formed in the back of his throat. He'll give you nothing. Perhaps, but in such a nothing, there might be information to be gleaned. As you say, Father. Javin, I know how you feel about what happened. It's writ large on your face. When I think about what could be happening to her, and I as well, I've commissioned some special help. Do you mean Commander Rusk? Javin grimaced. The man's reputation precedes him. What can a band of mercenaries and rogues do to help Bella? They're nothing but common cutthroats. Perhaps. But we need every weapon at our disposal. That's why I'm sending you to Commander Rusk. Once we discover who took her, the Black Furies will be dispatched to bring her home. I want you there to see to her safety. As you said, they are mercenaries and rogues. "'And the Blue Dragons?' Javin kept his gaze straight ahead. He dared not look into his father's eyes, afraid of what else he might see there. Disapproval. "'Lord Terrell will be placed in command of the Blue Dragons until you return.' Javin tried to clear the lump out of his throat, but it would not be cleared. "'You have something to say?' "'I—' "'Yes, I do. "'I believe I would better serve—' "'You will do as I command. "'You are an officer.' "'and you will follow orders.' "'The lump in Javin's throat grew thicker like a gob of sour bread-dough. "'Very well, father. "'But I have never met the man. "'I only know the stories. "'If I am to observe him and keep his ruffians in line... "'Rusk is an officer in his own right. "'His rank is real and duly granted, "'no matter that he is not born nobility. "'He is a jarlsman, and they do not espouse the idea of nobles and commoners.' You will not be an observer. You will be subordinate to him. Javin's back went taut, and the deep gash across his shoulder blade, freshly stitched and bandaged, burned like liquid fire. His father continued, That is, if you can pass his tests. What kind of tests? That I do not know. He is quite secretive about them, but his men must meet his marks or they do not join him. Javin tried to keep his voice respectfully even, but failed. His men? Are you saying that I will join them? First, you must pass the tests, whatever they might be. But I do know this. It will be difficult. Javin's anger rose out of the swirling mass in his belly like a kraken's tentacle, wrapping itself around his jaw, drawing it tight. His hands became fists at his side. That is all, Javin. Ride for Norvan as soon as possible. I, Your Excellency. Javin spun on his heel and marched away, his legs and back so stiff he could barely move. Thank you for listening to Rogues of the Black Fury by Travis Hearman. If you enjoy the story, don't be shy. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. And don't forget to go to this podcast's homepage and click the donate button. Give whatever you like, but is $4.99 really too much to ask for this many hours of entertainment? Rogues of the Black Fury is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No-Derivatives License. I encourage you to copy it and give it away to all your roguish friends. Just don't change it or sell it, or the Black Furies will soon be coming after you,